And then God took us from there back to the States for 10 years where we planted another church, and then we returned here three years ago. And so when we came, one of the first people I met was a trade guy doing some work on the house we were moving into, and he was telling me about uh, how hurt and disappointed he was with the church, Uh, how he just saw too much of hypocrisy and legalism and all kinds of stuff. And that reminded me of something that God had spoken to me and dealt in my heart when I was younger. And uh, that was something God spoke to me that I always, my desire is to always be part of the solution and not part of the problem. It's just too easy for people to see the problem and identify the problem, but they never become part of the solution. Are there problems? Of course, because the church is made up of imperfect people. We're being transformed to the image of Christ, but most of us haven't got there yet, except for a few, Tim, Rob, some. (laughs) But it reminded me of a quote that has been one of my favorites most of my life from the time I was young. Teddy Roosevelt, a US president in the early 1900s said, it's not the critic who counts. It's not the man who points out where the strong man stumbled or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who's actually in the arena. It's too easy to be critics rather than solution. Too too easy to fall into becoming part of the problem rather than part of the solution. And so uh, with that in mind, we want to be a church that's the solution. Acts chapter 2. From verse 42, and they continued steadfastly, or they devoted themselves to the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, breaking of bread and prayer. Then the fear, then fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common, and sold their possessions and goods, and divided them among all as anyone had need. So continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who are being saved. We've been talking about Acts. Start out with the advancing kingdom. Jesus spent more time talking about the kingdom of God than he talked about salvation. So there's an advancing kingdom. And in order for that to take place through us, because that's who he's really delegated it to, We need the Holy Spirit. So we talked about the infilling and the the supernatural filling of the Holy Spirit. And then as we saw last week there, people believed and and about 3,000 souls were added. And so pretty soon, this kingdom is advancing and people begin to get together. That's called the church. The, The very term church in Greek means an assembly or a gathering of people. And so they began to get together And the Holy Spirit, who is the writer of the scriptures, lays some foundational cultures for this church. Some people believe Acts is just descriptive of what happened. I believe it's proscriptive. I believe it's the Holy Spirit saying, this is how it should be throughout the the ages. This is why it's recorded. Otherwise, we just look back and say, wow, that was nice. But he lays some foundational cultures. Now, what's a culture? It's kind of like yeast and dough, or 
That stuff in yogurt that creates a culture. What is it again? Acidophilus. Uh, it's values that permeate a whole group. So there's values that permeate a whole group. Thing is, with cultures, they're cultivated by everyone. They're passed along. It's not something that's taught so much as it's caught. And so we want to talk about what are the cultures that Jesus is building. So we want biblical cultures. We realize that people in this church come from a lot of different backgrounds, a lot of different theological positions, a lot of different experience, a lot of different ways of doing things. So we think, how do we get on the same page as much as possible? Uh, that page isn't my page, it's Jesus' page. Okay, I led a church in uh, Melbourne and had a couple come and the guy t- said, Russ, I-, I want you to know that I'm laying down my vision to, to support it and take on your vision. And I looked at him and said, look, I died to my vision when Jesus called me to build his church. This isn't my vision, this is his. And we're all dying to our own in order to build his. So uh, we wanna be on his page. We wanna be the church that Jesus is building. He said he's building his church. And we wanna be that church. So we're looking at those foundational cultures. Over the next five weeks, we'll look at five of them. There's five here. And I wanna encourage you this morning, don't listen to this for someone else. I sure wish Steve gets this. He needs this. <laughs> See, we, it's easy for us to, to do that and think, I've got it. But when we're talking about something that's a value that's going to permeate everybody, we want to all have it. So we say, Holy Spirit, teach us. So the first culture is that they devote themselves to the apostles' doctrine, the teaching or instruction, is a commitment to growth. Now, don't hear what I'm not saying. I'm not saying a commitment to church growth. Okay, about 30 years ago, they began this move in most of Western culture in churches that the focus became not the kingdom, but the church. How do we grow our church and how do we enlarge our slice of the pie? And that's not God's way. God's way is the growth of the kingdom. Okay, so don't hear, I'm not talking about church growth. I'm talking about your growth. Individual growth, us being changed and transformed. Uh, And so it starts with a commitment to grow. See, they devoted themselves or they continued steadfastly. That's an interesting term. It's almost like they persevered. They kept doing something. So it's a commitment to growing. Then they kept growing. And so it's not like, oh, I grew and I'm fine now. but it's God continue to make adjustments in me. They voted themselves not to the apostles themselves, but to the truth. We live in a culture that has very much a celebrity mentality where people look at celebrities and they almost worship celebrities and they get devoted to people. I wanna encourage you, your devotion better be to Jesus. 
but also to his truth. Like I said, Jesus spent more time talking about the kingdom than about salvation because it's so different from the world. So, I'm getting ahead of myself, but that, that teaching, they devote themselves to the apostles' teaching, instruction, is in the context of discipleship, not academia. They weren't teaching information. When Jesus called disciples, he called them to follow him, to be with him, not just to listen to what he said. There is something that has been lost. We've shifted in the last uh, four or 500 years from a discipleship oriented to an academic, an information oriented. So we want to talk about a commitment to growth with a with an obedience-based focus rather than an information-based focus. Let me say that again. An obedience-based focus. God, what do you want me to do, not what do I know? Because if you know it and it doesn't translate to what you do, you're not changed. James 1.21 and 22, or James 1.22, I think, is where it is. It says, but be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. See, that shift from discipleship, obedience-focused discipleship to information-focused discipleship, academia, means that we can hear without doing and we get deceived. We actually think we're different because of what we know, but it doesn't translate to what we do. But that's totally different to the world. That's why it's hard, this kingdom thing. The world has a very information. Now, like I said, the last 400 years, it's become very information-oriented, very academic. You, you learn, but you don't have to do. And so when Jesus, his discipleship context is an obedience-oriented, that's quite different. Uh, a couple years ago, a few years ago, before we actually moved here, we were visiting uh, from the states where we lived, and we stayed with our son and daughter in Victoria, and they had some morning show on one morning on the TV, and it happened to be a whole thing on raising kids and disciplining kids, and uh, it was, they had some expert, and they had the, the morning show hosts, and there were a couple of them, but one of them you could see in a short time he was getting frustrated with this expert. Expert was talking about you know how to do things, and eventually the host said to the expert, "Do you have kids?" Expert said, "No." They're the expert on raising kids because they have degrees, not because they've ever done it. And you could see, I could see. The, uh, the host just totally turned them off. Okay, then you have no clue what you're talking about. But that's the world. You can study and get information, and if you've got the degrees, you don't actually have to translate it, that into any kind of action. That's not the kingdom. Romans 12, 2. says, 
do not be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may improve what is the acceptable, good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. This kingdom of God is so different to the world that we actually have to have our minds transformed. We're saturated in this kingdom. When you get saved, you come into the kingdom. Salvation is the door. You come into this relationship with God and the rulership of God, and then it's so different, we have to actually have our minds changed, be transformed, because we think world kingdom. We're saturated in the kingdom of darkness, so God's in the process of changing us How are we transformed? Good question. I'm going to tell you. That's what we're here for this morning. We're transformed as we connect with the Word and the Spirit. Our minds are transformed, are changed as we connect with the Word, not just as we read it, but as we connect. There's something more, not as you hear about it, but as you connect with it. So what does it mean to connect with the word and the spirit? What's that look like? I'll tell you, it's more than a study of theology. It's more than reading lots of chapters. I'm not gonna ask for a show of hands, but how many of you have ever done the read through the Bible in a year type thing? And uh, you have to read five or six chapters a day which is good discipline, but the problem is that by the middle of the year, you're just reading the chapters to get through the, so you can check the, the box and get through the thing, and so, t- too often, if you're anything like me, you're not paying any attention at all. I just have to read this. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about something more, which is connecting with the Word. There was an interesting study done that basically said that, found out that People who connect with the word four or more times a, year, a week are changed. Not, not Sunday alone, but four or more times. And I asked the guy who was telling me about the study, I said, why that? They said, I don't know, except that you do it more than you don't. It becomes a priority. So what does it mean to connect with the word. It's more than just reading to get through the Bible, but it's basically saying, God, what are you saying to me? When you pick up the word and begin to read, you say, God, what are you saying to me today? It becomes personal. And the Lord can highlight things and he can speak to us. But then the next step is the key. The next question is, and what must I do to obey? Not just what inspires me, what makes me feel good, but what, are you, what adjustments are you making and what must I do to obey? And then you want to know another little key. Keep a record of that. Connecting with the Word. See, the Word is what God has said. It's connecting and the Holy Spirit brings life to that. But the second is similar to it. It's connecting with the Spirit. You've heard me say, if you've been here for a while, 
that we believe that God emphasizes the word and the spirit, fully word and fully spirit, like two wings of an airplane. Someone asked a friend of mine, which is more important, the word or the spirit? He said, when you're flying at 30,000 feet, which wing of the airplane can you do without? So you need the word and the spirit. The word without the spirit and people dry up, the spirit without the word and people blow up. So we need the two so that we grow up. Oh. <laughs> that wasn't in the first service. <laughs> Getting better as we go along, huh? So connecting with the spirit is more than just a warm, comfy feeling. As good as that is, it's actually, Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me? And what should I do to obey that? What are you saying? And then what must I do? And then here's the key. Keep a record. Now sometimes when it comes to the Spirit, the record is afterwards. The Holy Spirit says, I want you to pray for that person, and you hear and you obey and you pray for that person. You just need to make a record of who you prayed for, why the Holy Spirit led you. Sometimes we don't know till afterwards. Sometimes we find out, sometimes we don't, but we walk in obedience. And so you make a, keep a record. Why is keeping a record important? Because it allows us to look back and see the patterns of God's adjustments in our life over a period of time. How many of you ever feel like you're just going around the mountain? I thought I dealt with that, but God's doing it again. Probably because you never kept a record and it di didn't become solidified. Yeah. I thought I had an experience rather than I was changed. And so keep a record. Let it, let it become solidified. And then you can also see how you've changed. Yeah. You can see over a period of time the things that God's adjusted. And then at some point you say, well, that's not an issue anymore. Maybe you struggle with fear in obeying the Holy Spirit when he encourages you to, to pray for someone outside of a church setting. Maybe you struggle with fear, but Holy Spirit speaks to you, and you struggle, and then you overcome, and you write that down. And over a period of time, you realize, wow, I don't struggle with that anymore. God says pray, I pray. Christine Bergman told me after the first service that a number of years ago, they were at the gorge, and they're walking along, and this guy came toward her who was a, a kind of rough-looking, bikey guy. And uh, the Holy Spirit said to her, tell that man that I love him. And she kind of was a bit scared, and, and they went by, and she didn't, and she felt a real conviction, and then saw that he was with his family, and she felt bad, and she said, okay, God, if I run into him again today, I'll tell him. Kind of made a deal with God. None of you have ever done that, have you? <laughs> if, I, if I run into it again, and here they went, drove around to the, the dam, to the Trevallon Dam, where they could see the water rush over, and as they were about to get back in the car, who walks by except the same guy? Now, once you made that kind of deal with God, you think maybe, okay. So she shares with him and says, look, you might think this is strange, but I felt God told me to tell you that he loves you. The guy didn't really want to hear about it, but she obeyed. That was a number of years ago. If you know Christine, she has no problem anymore. 
obeying and telling people what, what God's saying. Why? Because she was consistent in obedience. So, keeping a rep record helps us develop consistency. I was talking with a guy in Adelaide this last week, a young guy, and he was talking about this very thing about change. And he said, well, how did, how did that work for you? And I said, from the time I got saved, I spend every morning in the Word with a handful of days that I've missed, but almost without exception, I spend time in the Word every day. Is it that I'm smarter than anybody? No. Sometimes it's just plain consistency. You keep beating your head against the wall long enough, the wall's going to fall down. (laughs) So what does that mean for you today? We're going to help you take away your excuses because we have a notebook for you. Oh, isn't this a bit over the top here? You actually expect us to do something. Uh, Yeah, we do. What happens is if you are diligent, by the end of the year, you'll be different. Just hoping that you'll be different hoping that you'll be more like Jesus, hoping that you'll be transformed, hoping that you'll be changed, doesn't accomplish anything. You're actually deceiving yourself. That's not me. The Bible says that. So we just want to help you not be deceived. That's real nice of us, huh? Would you guys help me out? There's some notebooks over there on that table. Just grab some. Uh, And there's a few over here. Lucy, would you grab those? Uh, No. That's all we have. And so if you got one in the first service, don't take another one. Uh, I think we have enough for everyone. So just uh, take a note. Even if you're planning not to use it, take it anyway. <laughs> Pretend. Pretend you're going to use it. If we run out, then we'll take some of them back. Back to the bigger picture. Why are we doing this? Because I couldn't think of anything else to preach this morning. No. (laughs) Why are we doing this? Because we believe we're in a season where there's a moving of God. We believe that we're going to see tens of thousands of people saved. And that God's focus right now is the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry. If there's tens of thousands of people that get saved in Launceston in the next few years, God's going to need all of us. We're going to need at least a thousand more churches. How many churches are preparing leaders for that day? Not many. Many of you will be used by God in in that season in a greater dimension than you're being used now. Don't wait till then, but let's continue to grow. Let's continue to, to have a commitment. See, that's the culture of the church that sees the kingdom continuing to advance rather than to settle down and become 
dead. That's the culture of the church that says, we're preparing leaders for the kingdom, not for our church. Church growth says, we're preparing leaders for our church. Because we don't want anyone to go. Kingdom advancement says, we're preparing leaders for the kingdom. For thousands of churches that will be planted. It's that culture that permeates us, that, but that through us it touches everyone. As people come in, that becomes the heart. We're committed to growing. We're committed to responding to the word and to the spirit. Would you bow your head? I want to just give you a moment. See, we come into the kingdom when we say yes to Jesus. That's the entrance. We respond to him. We recognize that he's the sacrifice for our sins. We agree. We say yes. And for many people, that's where it ends. But to live in the kingdom, we say yes every day. It's not one yes that does it all. It's one yes that gets us in. And then it's a constant stream of yeses that see us transformed. It's a constant stream of yeses in the context of obedience to the word and the spirit. Not obedience to people, but obedience to the leading of the spirit and the word of God as he speaks to you. A constant stream of yeses that sees us transformed. So I just want to encourage you, no matter how young or old you are, will you continue saying yes to Jesus? Will you continue saying yes to the word? Will you continue saying yes to the spirit? Will you commit yourself to be part of the solution and not part of the problem? Doesn't take a genius to see that for too long much of the church hasn't represented Jesus very well. We don't need to spend a lot of time talking about that because we all know that. The question isn't, let's talk about the problem. The question is, God, I want to be part of the solution. If I give you a moment to just wait before the Lord. See, I'm aware of what happens is that as soon as we leave, consumed with things of the world and the cares of the day. And Jesus told a parable about that. This, this word is like seed sown. And the devil tries to steal it or the things of the world choke it out. And so I want you to take time even this morning. And the reason why we've given you a notebook so you can record is that so you take enough time to respond to that word before it's choked out. Thank you, Holy Spirit. We want to be the church that you're building. Amen. Amen. We're going to finish with a song. I have no idea which one. I put this on Fiona because I did this in the first service too. But uh, would you stand?
we're just going to pick a song from the list. Hopefully it's the same one. 